Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm so thankful for you guys joining us here um, on this wonderful Sunday morning. Unfortunately, we can't be here physically, but I'm thankful for recordings. But we're going to start this morning off with a baptism, and I'm excited for this morning. Um, we got two uh, students coming from uh, the teen center coming down, um, and they're taking the leap of following Jesus in believer's baptism. And so uh, I'm going to ask first uh, Jackson Sarton if you will come down and join me. What's up, Jackson? Stand over here. Alrighty, can you put your hands up here? And do you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins? And you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. My brother, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of all the living. Prison, a new life. Good job, buddy. Alright, next. I got Tyler Sarton. Now Tyler has come down. He's helping us lead the youth. I'm thankful for him. Tyler, you ready? All right. Just put your hand like you're praying now. Yeah. Tyler, you believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins? And you accept him as your uh, personal Savior. Well, my brother, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of our Lord. Listen, a new life. Good job, man. Hey, guys, I'm so excited. Make sure you let them know how much we're proud of them and how much we love them. I hope you guys have a great and blessed day, and I hope you enjoy our service. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Crossroads Online. We're glad you're joining us this morning. I hope you've got your coffee and, and your loved ones around you. We encourage you, get ready to worship with us. We're glad you're here. Nations 
transpired in the last two weeks and that we're, we're glad you're with us on this Sunday morning and you know with everything happening around us in our world with the COVID-19 and the coronavirus um, I thought about Moses and, and I thought about how God came to Moses in the Old Testament and he told Moses I, I want to free my people out of the bondage of Egypt and I want you to go to Pharaoh I want to send you as my messenger do you remember what Moses said? Moses looked at him and said, Lord, who am I that you should send me to Pharaoh? And God had to talk Moses into accepting this mission. And finally, Moses said, but Lord, what if they won't listen to me? What if the Israelites won't listen to me? Who should I say sent them, sent me? And, and the Lord says, tell them that I am has sent you. I am that I am. And once heard a pastor say, you know, whatever it is you need, God says, I am that. I am. So whether you're here this morning and you need encouragement, God says, I am that encouragement. I am. Or whether you're here and you need healing, physical healing, God says, I am that in your life. I am. And so I want to encourage you this morning to remember that an almighty God loves you. 
and he is here. He is the great I am.
just encourage you right where you are to make that a holy place. Moses stood before God at the burning bush and God said, take off your sandal, Moses, sandals, Moses, because this place you're standing on is holy ground. And I just want to encourage you, make this moment a holy moment wherever you are. Whatever it is you need from God, I encourage you to seek Him. Yeah. 
you're a believer or if you're not a believer, uh, we welcome you to church online today here at Crossroads. And uh, we just want to encourage you. This is the time in our service when normally we would kind of uh, shake hands or give each other a hug and welcome each other into our auditorium where we worship. But, but of course, you're probably self-quarantining and you're probably maybe even at home. Uh, watching this with your loved ones. And so I just want to encourage you, this is the time also in the service when we have an opportunity to give, to support the work of the Lord. Uh, the Bible talks about honoring God with the first fruits of all that we have, of all of our produce. Of course, for us, if you're not a farmer, uh, then it has to do with your income. And so the Lord says, I want to encourage you to give 10% to me and live on 90%. And so I want you to very quickly watch this video on how you can give online. There are many ways you can give, but the work doesn't stop just because we're quarantining. The bills still have to be paid, and we encourage you to continue to be a part. You can honor the Lord right where you are through giving. Watch this quick video. We'd like to show you just how easy it is to give online. You can go to our website, cbcmd.org, and you can click on the three bars in the top right-hand corner and click on the page that says give. If you scroll down, you'll see a button that says give online. You can click on that. It will redirect you to a secure portal. If you're giving your normal tithes and offerings, you can choose the fund that says general fund, and you can put in any dollar amount that you feel led to give. You can give that amount by a credit or debit card by putting in the name of your card, the card information, your expiration date, and your billing address. If you would like to give, with your bank account, you can do that by choosing bank account and putting in the name of your account and choosing checking or savings account. If you would like to make the gift recurring, you can click on the box under the donation that says make this gift recurring and it will prompt you to create a login. You can also text any amount to give to 410-202-0161. Thank you so much for your continued support to Crossroads Bible Church. Hi, my name is Pastor Tim from Crossroads Bible Church, and we are so thrilled to connect with you online. This is different than we usually do church, but at the same time, we're just thankful for the technology and the ability to come right to where you are online. Well, we've been doing a series here at Crossroads called Drowning. And uh, as I look around as a pastor, I see people drowning in many, many different ways. In fact, this whole series, we've been dealing with the subject of drowning, and we've been looking at drowning in depression and drowning in doubt, drowning in regret, drowning in confusion, and today we're going to look at drowning in fear. We want to welcome you on Sunday morning. Thank you for worshiping the Lord with us at Crossroads. We just want it to be just like home for you and just like you're sitting in church and hearing the Word of God. But no matter where you are, the Word of God always has an impact on our life and heart. Well, I'm glad you're here today. I want to speak to you on the subject drowning in fear. In fact, there are so many areas that we can speak on in the areas of drowning, but fear is one of the greatest enemies that robs us of our peace and our joy. To drown in fear is a dreaded, suffocating experience. It causes us to feel uneasy and also very traumatic in the area of panic and the feelings of being overwhelmed. 
Fear is one of our natural enemies of life. Fear crops up to rob us of our peace, our joy, and the quality of our life. In fact, fear is not from God, but rather fear is one of the major tools of the devil. Today I want to look in a portion of scripture in the book of Mark chapter 5 about a man who was riddled with fear. A man who sought the answer to overcome his fear, and he did because he came to Jesus. But my text verse this morning is in Mark chapter 5, verse 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see, every time you feel fear in your life, it's a manifestation of the kingdom of darkness. In fact, fear is the master, uh, fear is the master spirit. It, it's the spirit Satan uses to try to rule over God's people and to keep them from coming under the leadership of the true master, Jesus Christ. There's the fear of death. The Bible talks about that. Then there's the fear of man, the fear of judgment, uh, the fear of hunger, or the, the fear of going without, or the fear of, of being completely overcome with problems that there are no answers to help. In fact, Satan uses fear to keep people from just simply enjoying life. And you surely can't enjoy life if you are riddled and if you're drowning under the deep waters of fear. In fact, in our sermon, we notice that there is a man named Jairus. He was the ruler of the synagogue. He had a very, very sick daughter. And he was so scared. He was so fearful that he was going to lose his child. And uh, we, he went, and he went out after looking after Jesus. And the Bible says that crowds of people were coming after Jesus Christ. There were crowds. In fact, the Bible says they, they were coming because they were afraid of their disease. They were afraid of their sufferings. They were afraid of their poverty and the failure and the rejection and death. But, but there was something about the confident presence of Jesus that attracted men to him. Not only was his miracles a confirmation of his deity, but it was his compassion. It was his empathy and his magnetic love that, that pulled fearful men into the presence of the Lord. In fact, his entire ministry was spent in public. His entire ministry is spent in the streets in the highways, in the hillsides, in the fields, in the synagogues, in the homes, by the sea, with only occasional retreats into isolation for times of rest. Jesus always came back to the crowds because fear was the driving factor that drove people into his presence. I want to look at this story this morning. I just want us to just kind of dissect it into three basic thoughts about drowning in fear. Number one, drowning in fear drives us to desperation. In fact, read with me the scripture, Mark 5, 22 and 23. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. 
I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Jairus was beside himself. Fear was rising up in him. It was driving him to a place of desperation. You see, fear can do that. It can move us to desperate measures and desperate behavior. Fear, uh, many people have fear of germs or viruses like we're seeing in our country that causes us to be crippled in enjoying life. Some people are afraid of going without or not having enough and they, they give way to practices of hoarding and, and stockpiling for themselves for fear that they're going to go hungry or not have enough. And then there's the fear of people. So many people just kind of hibernate and they hide out from people for fear of what man might do to them. And they just withdraw from social life altogether. See, fear can cause us to do unusual things. In fact, Jairus was driven to desperate measures by crossing the culture of barriers. Now, at that time, the Jewish people, especially of the religious community, they didn't have anything to do with Jesus. There was a great divide between the religious establishment and the followers of Jesus Christ. In fact, that wide of division uh, was just as great as capitalism is against socialism or Christianity versus atheism. There was a great divide. But this man, Jairus, just set aside all of his prejudiced thoughts. He set aside all of the peer pressure and he ran to Jesus because he knew he needed help. It drove him to do something desperate. In this case, that was the wisest thing that this man have, could have done. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. And he that feareth is not made perfect in love. In fact, it's interesting. The Bible says that Mark says, and behold. In other words, this is a sight that you're not going to see on a daily basis. You're going to see a, a man from the religious community, all decked out in his religious robes and chains and all of the phylacteries of the Jewish lifestyle. And here he is kneeling, falling at the feet of Jesus Christ. So fear has a way to cause us to do desperate things. And then we look at a second thought in this story, and that is drowning in fear magnifies frustration. This is interesting to me. He was so afraid that his daughter was going to die that he became irritable. He became so nervous and impatient and panicky and impulsive. See, fear can do that. It can cause us to, to lose touch with reality. In fact, Mark chapter 5, verse 24 and 25 says, says this, And Jesus went with him. Much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood of 12 years. Now here's the background of the story. Jairus went looking after Jesus. He had to fight through this crowd of people who had all different kinds of fear. Finally, when he gets to Jesus and he says and he begs Jesus, falling on his feet, at Jesus' feet, and he begs him, will you come to my house? My daughter is dying. Jesus, I need you. You've got to come right now. And, and Jesus agreed to go. And Jesus started to follow Jairus. But there was a problem. 
The problem was the crowd was going with Jesus. They were getting in front of him. They were creating an impasse. They were creating a problem of being an obstacle. And they created a human wall. And Jairus was so frustrated. And then on top of the crowd that was thronging in around Jesus, here's a woman, an, an older woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. And she also is touching the hem of Jesus' garment. Here's a woman who needed help. She needed healing. She was afraid that she was going to die without any kind of healing in her life. And she was crying out to the Lord. And here Jesus stops to heal this woman with the issue of blood. Jairus was frustrated. I need to get to my daughter. I need to get Jesus to my daughter so he might heal her. And he did everything in his power to get, the, to get Jesus to his daughter. And yet there was moments of great frustrations. See, when we're frustrated, when we're filled with fear, it triggers high levels of anxiety. And we see how fear with this coronavirus is sweeping our land and how irritable and irrational people become. They begin to argue and fight. We hear about fights breaking out in grocery stores, of fighting over food and, and different items that men need to, to use in their life. And it's amazing to me how we as a people can easily become unglued when fear comes our way. Fear promises irrational thinking. And sometimes we think maybe God is slacking in times of crisis and trouble. I can imagine Jairus looking at Jesus, stopping to help this woman who had an issue of blood. Jesus was tenderly talking with her and bringing healing into her body. And Jairus is probably thinking, well, this woman's lived a long time. My daughter is just a little girl. She's got a whole life in front of her. Why does Jesus take time to help her? And I'm sure he was frustrated. God, don't you see the problems that I'm facing right now? And we want others to react the way we react in crisis. And if people don't respond the way we think that they should respond, we sometimes become very judgmental and we become very, very harsh. We want God to respond as quickly as we respond. But when God moves according to his time, we have this tendency to become frustrated with the heart and the nature of God. Why isn't God healing? Why isn't God stopping this virus in our country? Where is God in this whole ordeal? But there's a lesson for every Christian. It's a lesson in divine delays. We might call them unanswered prayers. There are times in our lives when we think everything around us is collapsing, yet God seems to be puttering around in heaven, totally unconcerned about our trials and tragedies in life. But may I suggest to you that delays are by divine design. Our Lord deliberately tarried with this woman with an issue of blood. Jesus knew that Jairus' daughter was in critical shape. And just as he did at the report of the sickness of Lazarus, so when he did the same act was no question we, who should receive the credit or the glory when Jesus delayed. Surely these miracles inform us that delays are not due to our Lord's lack of concern for us because he's sensitive to the most insignificant needs. It's for the purpose of God that these delays will result in a greater glory for himself and a greater faith for ourselves. And then number three, 
We are rescued from drowning when we heed Christ. We are rescued from our drowning when we heed Christ. I like this. Here, Jairus is all nervous. The crowd is getting in the way of Jesus. The crowd is pushing in, creating a human wall, creating a problem for Jairus. He had an emergency. Jesus didn't seem to be overly concerned. Rather, he was patient and kind, even toward those around him. And now we notice there comes the servants from Jairus' house, and they come with a very bad report. It says in Mark chapter 5, verse 35 and 36, There came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Sometimes we have to stop in the face of fear and look straight into the face of Jesus. Jairus's world came to a crashing end. The rulers of the house or the house servants came and they told Jairus, it's too late. Don't bother Jesus. It's too late. Your daughter is dead. I can only imagine how life just seemed to drain from his face at that very moment. One of the world's greatest fears is to lose a child. I've worked with parents who've grieved for years after losing a child. There's no greater fear, no greater pain that people have to suffer through. His world came crashing down. And we've always believed as long as there's life, there's hope. And now all hope is gone because now there is no hope or no life. That's the way Jairus felt. And knowing that every ray of hope had been swept away by this announcement, Jesus ignored these words and he spoke encouraging words to Jairus. I can imagine Jesus said, look at me, Jairus. Look at me. And then he said, look into my face. Listen to my words. Don't be afraid. Only only believe. His heart and faith was faltering. It was through faith that the child would be raised. Where there is life, there is hope. But with God, we must also believe that where there is death, there is also hope. You see, leaving the crowd with his disciples, Jesus continued on to the home of this deceased daughter. Outside the home, as they came close, there were a, there was a commotion of a typical Near Eastern funeral that had already begun. There were people already on the front porch mourning and crying and screaming. Unnecessary as far as, the, as, far as our Lord was concerned because to Jesus she was only asleep. By the expression asleep, our Lord didn't mean that the girl had not died, but rather indirectly stating that for those who have entered the kingdom of God, death is not a permanent state, but a temporary one. Death could not claim this girl because of the mighty presence of the Prince of Peace. Thinking our Lord was either naive or completely self-deceived, the professional mourners mocked and they ridiculed him by their laughter because they knew death when they saw it. It was their occupation. 
It's what they were good at. But such unbelief will never witness the power of God. So these people were put outside and only our Lord, the inner three, Peter, James, and John, and the parents went into that little dark room where that little girl lay dead on her bed. The actual event was, was both simple and it was very sweet. With a couple of softly spoken words, our Lord took the young girl by the hand and lifted her up so that she began to walk about the room. Jesus looked to the disciples and said, and to the parents, give her something to eat so she may have strength. Jairus was blessed in the midst of his crisis. While he was drowning in fear, Jesus threw out a lifeline. And that was the word of Christ. And what Jesus was doing is take heed what I say. Because I am the sovereign God. I am the one who created the world. I'm the one who allows famine and disease. And I permitted all these things to come into this world. And even though we don't understand God's plan and God's purpose, we must trust him explicitly. It was Jesus who calmed Jairus' fears after hearing the words of his daughter's death. It was Jesus who said, be not afraid, only believe. It was Jairus who looked death in the face and never became unruffled or shaken. It was Jesus who went to the home of Jairus with confidence and power. It was Jesus who redefined death as just sleeping and rebuked those who had no faith. It was the touch and the word of Jesus that raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. Jairus was completely calmed and comforted in the presence of Jesus Christ. What are the storms that are blowing in your life right now? What are the fears with which you're grappling? Are you listening and taking heed to the message of Jesus in our generation, in this culture, in this time? It just seems like total chaos. People ask me all the time, do you think this virus is the sign that Jesus Christ is going to come? Do you think this is the sign of the last days? You bet. The last days are here. We're living in the church of the Laodicean age. We're living in the last moments. I believe this virus that is global is bringing the world together. Is bringing the world together. And I believe it is setting the stage to, to set up a one world government and a, a one world religion. And setting the stage for the Antichrist to come. Oh, the end is coming. I don't know the plan and the purpose of God, but I know he never makes a mistake. And I know this, that we're not to be afraid. To know, just like Jairus found out, be not afraid, only believe. We're called to bring those to Christ. We're called to bring those who we love to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're called to bring our troubles, our worries, our fears to Christ and to ask for his peace. We're also summoned to pray earnestly for our families, our church, and our country in such a time as this. You see, the peace of Christ is not a magical potion that removes us from the struggles of life or immediately fixes every problem. It is rather the gift of an inner calm and confidence based on the credibility and the faithfulness of God's promise to us. Christ is faithful to us as he was faithful to Jairus in his storm. 
Christ is tenaciously faithful to each one of us, particularly when we are experiencing the storms of life. It is our trust in his faithfulness that enables us to make it safely to the other side. Don't drown in fear. Don't be afraid. Only believe. I would like to pray with you. If you are here and you don't know Christ as Savior, now is this blessed opportunity to call unto him. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you can be saved. You don't have enough money to buy salvation. You don't have enough good works to earn it. But rather, you can receive salvation because it is extended to you by the precious work of the cross 2,000 years ago. He paid the price of all of your sins on the cross. And if you would like to pray this prayer, the Bible says this. It's a promise. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's God's promise to you. If you simply open the door of your heart and trust him, he will save you right where you are, right in your home, right in your workplace. No matter where you are, he will save you. Just pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to be my God and my Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. And I thank you for watching Crossroads today online. Thank you for letting me share the word of God with you. Don't drown in fear. Don't be afraid. Let's heed the words of Christ. Only believe.